0: So let's start off with uh, kind of an intro, okay? After years of ingesting pornography, Michael repented of his sins and gave his life to Christ. Shortly after his conversion, he met Christina, and they were engaged to be married. Even though he has been a changed man in many areas, when you talk to him, you find out that his background in pornography has greatly influenced his sexual expectations. You also find out that Christina was at one time a consumer of erotic fiction, after conversion she gave up these and now devours Christian romance novels okay so question a who or what has shaped this couple's view of sex the world, the world. Yeah. okay Well let's talk about, obviously we see pornography as being a big influence for uh, Michael, but what about Christina?
1: It is the same, I mean she's just seeing it through reading it, I mean mean, she's not looking at pictures of it, but she's still reading it and her fantasies are through reading of the books or if you watch movies or whatever that is. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Other thoughts? I think that they, you know, they're seeing the opposite sex or, or one another kind of through a, a fictional depiction, oftentimes uh, created by this perverted male view or female view mm-hmm. of what the ideal sexual partner or spouse might look like, and so mm-hmm. he's got this warped history of this you know, uh-huh. perverted male view women and sheep you know, same so they <clears throat> just even the way they view each other is mm-hmm. shaped by that.
0: Yeah, I mean when you look at each of these, like what messages does um, pornography sentiment about sex? Like if somebody was watching it, ingesting it, what would um, their expectations be of sex? What I mean just what are some messages that it sends? And then we'll talk about female fiction later. So. And that's not to say that it, that some don't do mm-hmm. both, by the way. But what are some of the messages that pornography sends about sex, especially to men?
3: It's just
4: to feed the desire that you're objectifying women. Okay. You're seeing them as an object to meet a so-called whatever mm-hmm. sinful need.
3: Mm-hmm very self-focused, selfish, mm-hmm. concentrating on yourself, mm-hmm. and it kind of detaches you as well.
0: Uh-huh. Emotionally, it's more just a physical thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah, since sends it, 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 like you said, it, it disconnects um, and it portrays it as a purely physical, and pleasure is the, po- the focus and the goal, and it divorces it from marriage, yeah. procreation, <coughs> spiritual beauty, any of those things. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I think a couple of things is,
0: um, as far as expectations, that beauty, um, like a man's expectation of beauty, right, would be um, greatly shaped by porn. Um, It portrays women in kind of a masculine view, you know what I'm saying? Like not women as women, but women with burning intense sexual desire. Um, and there's, and frankly, it's, it's fake, right? Mm-hmm. Those women don't really look like that. They don't really act like that. Mm-hmm. And they don't really want that. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? <clears throat> but if somebody is ingesting this quite a bit, um, and thinking that women look a certain way, they're sexually aggressive and all that, and that's our expectation going into marriage, right? What are gonna be some of the conflicts that they're gonna have?
2: Well, it's, it's setting them both up for disappointment and failure in the sense that he expects her to be and act a certain way, and that's mm-hmm. not who she is. Mm-hmm. And so as he learns that she, you know who she is and what she's really like and as she learns what he expects they're going to be very both kind of disappointed mm-hmm.
1: yeah well, and on the flip side if <laughs> she is reading these mm-hmm. novels she has an expectation of what he is going to be to her
0: which so is probably going to be different so what what's going to be that expectation
1: well he might be this romantic you know type person and and they do all these special things together and it's always intriguing and something different, you know what I mean? As Mm -hmm. opposed to, you know, just being together and kind of done, you know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? I mean, there'll be a difference in when you, I mean, I've never read one of those, so I can't tell you, but um, I would assume that, you know, it's kind of like when you watch those movies on TV, that it's Mm -hmm. a fantasy. That's not really what God had intended and that's and so when you're reading those things there's an expectation there that he probably isn't going to meet mm-hmm. and that's going to disappoint her and yeah. then she will be disappointed and mm-hmm. then she will do mm-hmm. something that will maybe withhold from him because yeah. he's not meeting her needs yeah does that make sense yeah
0: for sure yeah I think that's one of the dangers when you have like this idealized picture of men where they're intuitively sensitive, Um, they anticipate needs, do you know what I'm saying? It's kind of like how a lot of times when men watch porn, they they almost masculinize women, so that they're aggressive and they they want what the man wants so he doesn't have to work for it. He's just projecting that, whereas a woman could do the same thing towards a man, and just that he's romantic, he's all about her, he lives to please, you know what I'm saying? Both of those are kind of me-centered. Mm-hmm. Right, So um, So you kind of look at sex conflicts, right in marriage. right? What are the, some of the basic conflicts that people and couples will have about sex? Or they're kind of like addoffs here. What are the issues?
2: when and how often. How often, right?
0: It's one of the biggest ones, right? So how you know so frequency? So we got frequency T1? Adults. There may be different sex
1: drives too in a sense of men want it more than women. Women, you know, they may have, you Um, know, they're taking care of the kids all day or whatever um, it may be, you know what I'm saying? I think there's a difference in expectations of the frequency by the different sex drives that Um. men and women have. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: And it could be the flip side of it too, where women could have more than men, but most of the time I think it's more men than
0: women. Yeah. Possibly. That's traditionally the case. Right. And right. not case, Right, different drives, some physical issues might interfere, uh, fatigue. Right, so that's probably the number one, like when you get yeah. to brass tacks, this is the issue. Okay? I mean, and then you kind of, and I like how you kind of broke it down, Darla, like why is there a difference, right? Why does she want it less, using traditional categories here, mm-hmm. why does he want it more, right?
2: Any other, uh, I would say too, sometimes it's where, um, like conflict, where the conflict can happen if they don't recognize any other underlying things in there. So like, if, if he, is continual if he is still looking at porn right then that can create conflict a sexual conflict with with her or if he's um, you know not loving and honoring and taking care of his wife in any other way right that can create things that sh- show themselves yeah. in this se- sexual um, union where it, it yeah. creates problems because it's it's creating barriers or boundaries for them to Feel as if they're one if they're not loving one another outside the bedroom, in a sense. Yeah, so I think this would be another one is feeling used
0: um, versus feeling neglected. Right? The woman would probably be more likely to feel used, the husband might be more likely to feel neglected, right? So you you have a lot of energy for your career, a lot of energy for the kids. You pour your life out into this. That when you know it's nine o'clock, you make it very clear that you don't have any energy for you know. I mm-hmm. feel neglected. Versus, um, there's no romance. You don't pay attention to me. You know, kind of the feeling used, right? So that is often um, a real conflict that arises with sex. Any other conflicts? As you can see.
2: People, you know, other people, other people, other, right. other friends.
1: Well, there also could be issues of, um, like an illness. Do you know what I'm, I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, as people deal with illnesses, be it a man or a woman, I mean, that I don't know that's a conflict, but that yeah. would be something you could play into it in a sense of, you know, yeah, I mean. Yeah. If you have cancer or you know, or you're going through chemo or yeah. you or there are things going
0: on, sometimes it that's very difficult yeah. to yeah. So. so if I were to do another F for like I'm just giving you like broad categories of, of conflict. Hopefully this is helpful. I know nobody wants to share their thing. Thank you, Scott and Darla, appreciate your right. sort of might be uh, just the function. Like what's okay and what's not okay. Um, Husband pressures the wife to do something that she's not comfortable with. Right? Um, Wants to make it more exciting, and this is the way to do it. Right, so if you look at um, porn, which is the scourge of marital sex, I mean, do you see how it impacts your expectations for frequency? feeling used, well, porn is about using the other person, right? Or neglected. And then the function, like what's acceptable what's not acceptable is greatly shaped by porn. So kind of the three and there might be more, it's just kind of what I came up with. Um, I think when you look at sexual conflict in marriage it's usually about those things. This is probably number one, this is number two, this is number three. As far as how often they come up. And not all this one is, I think, more, these two are more universal. This one is probably impacted by porn more than others. Any other thoughts on this? Make sure I erase this before the kids come in. There. <laughs> I, don't. I think it's discreet enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, you look at obviously Christina and Michael. You can see all these conflicts here, kind of gestating. Um, now why do you suppose it's necessary for a couple like this, like Christina and Michael to have a biblical view of sex? So your expectations are met? If you don't have the proper expectation you're just constantly going to be dissatisfied. Yeah. Yeah, who, who's right here? <clears throat> and who's right? You know what I'm saying? It's like, Who's right here? It's like uh, because we all—I mean—it's kind of like with um, with parenting, right? We default to the way we were raised. Do you know why? Because I turned out okay. Right, that's that's the default. We default to the way we were raised because I turned out okay. Now. If you have two people who are raised different ways and they're both narcissistic and proud and they say, I both turned out okay, there's going to be an irreconcilable conflict between the two. But if you're able to kind of like step back and to kind of see the biblical paradigm, then it's much easier to objectively assess how you're raised and how you want to raise your kids, right? And so I remember when I was um, in... Seminary. I took a marriage and family counseling class because I was single, no prospects of marriage at that point, and I knew I had to shore up my weaknesses. And I was pretty nervous when we got to the sex part. But I think what I learned, you know, I, I got saved when I was 19, so obviously pornography and stuff like that was you know, part of my, my background, um, was it was actually very good for me as a single man, and this is, I'm giving you hope to use singles here, okay? It was very helpful for me as a single man to have my uh, my view of sex be really shaped by scripture because I did not yeah I didn't have parents who were talking to me openly I mean basically sex education was I found a book on my bed like you're changing you I don't know what it was called it was like <laughs> that that was the talk In or you fact, had your
1: teacher have to teach it to you. you know I I actually.
0: I moved between sixth and seventh grade, so when I was in Idaho, it was a seventh grade movie. When I was in the Chicago area, was a sixth grade movie, so I skipped that. But my church showed it to me, so that was interesting. So you know, i watched eight millimeter films, and um, but a lot of it was shaped by you know that type of exposure, which is why pornography is just so um, pernicious, right? And I, so that is something that, in fact, when I do premarital counseling, I mean that would be something I ask about for the men and the women.
2: Um, I think yeah. so just to add uh, we it, it, it compounded if the church or if, like you said if your parents are reluctant to talk and to teach about it, it leaves a vacuum where your kids want to know so you know um, yeah. I think that's something where we have to mm-hmm. teach the, the whole council and speak about the church and yeah. school and and with our kids and mm-hmm. Well, and a piggyback off it is is that if you don't teach
1: them, kids at school will. Yeah, it's true. That's the fact of it. On the playground, in the class, I mean, and I'm talking elementary because I yeah. see it oh, yeah. and I hear it. So they're getting misinformation from other parents who may or may not have talked about it or they've heard it secondhand with their parents talking about it, mm-hmm. and they're in the room or whatever. So yeah. the you know as parents it is our responsibility to teach that and to teach it in a godly way because mm-hmm. they're going to hear the worldly way
0: yeah at school yeah and and it, it will come up i mean keeping kids off porn and all that stuff uh, we're going to do a purity conference in august strongly encourage parents to come um, be some good discussions about how do you Kind of protect that because that is, I mean, that's how the world sends messages about sex. And I, and I even think, um, like, I'm a child of the 80s, early 90s, and one of the major shows that I grew up watching was Moonlighting. Do you guys remember that with Bruce Willis and Civil Shepard? Before Bruce Willis became an action movie star and you know, there are these private detectives and there's always this romantic tension between the two of them and when they finally slept together it's like this cause of national celebration. Um, but I mean, that's like a message that the world sends is that a relationship's not a real relationship until you're sleeping together, right? And I know some of that has changed. I, I uh, know you culture is very different now and I I've been out of it for so long, and my kids have been homeschooled. I don't quite know exactly what it is. Although I get a weekly email that updates me with culture, and I read it to the kids to see if this is true or not, they don't really know either because they're homeschooled. Julia's uh, the worldly wise one because he goes to KU, but I mean, there. <laughs> but there are cultural um, expectations that, you know, are are that have seeped into the church maybe not this church but other churches but if you were to kind of just look at the Christian scene I mean what are some of the maybe cultural um, lies or influences that has kind of shaped church culture
1: this might open up can of worms but I'll say it I mean even the whole idea of the pride revolution that has come into well-known churches that I know of in which we're telling kids that God mm-hmm. did not create you to be a boy or a girl mm-hmm. they created you to change he created you to change okay yeah. that, that's a lie but churches are accepting that okay Cause I, yeah, I that's know. Definitely. Of, I know of a huge church in Kansas City that is
0: Church of the Resurrection.
1: Um, well, it's a. is that the Methodist church? Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's the, yeah, and that's the one that yeah, and it's huge.
0: It's huge. Yeah. It takes up a
1: whole block. And yeah. um you know, I have a friend who used to go there and we've yeah. had countless conversations about it, okay? That sending kids that yeah. God is what he does is not
0: true. Yeah.
1: And it's changing, as opposed to who God is. His truth is never changing.
0: Yeah. So I think that's one of the, you know, depending on the church, right? That would be one. Is kind of a a capitulation to modern sexual ethics. Okay. Others.
2: One of the strange things is that I don't know if it's strange, but we've heard a statistic or that. As the so say from the '80s and '90s to into the smartphone social media era, that kids are as they become more and more involved in porn and social media, they're mm-hmm. less and less um, <coughs> apt to experiment and interact uh, physically. So yeah. the the average uh, age that they lose their virginity has has gone up a little bit by about a year. Yeah, which is
0: Super significant. Yeah,
2: and so it's like they're they're more and more their uh, their view of sex and one another is being more and more insulated from reality. Mm-hmm. You know, they're further and further away from actually interacting face to face with someone, let alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and so there's this. It's not just porn. It's just like this virtual world that now kids are interacting in where they're unable to differentiate between what's real and what's yeah. false.
0: Like having a genuine relationship.
2: Having a genuine relationship and what a person is really like versus their virtual persona yeah. that mm-hmm. they put forward and how do you physically talk with someone yeah. versus you know all like kids at school that I investigate ask questions of the day every day and things like Uh-oh. you know they rarely yeah talk on the phone, it's just messaging, because it's easier, it's more convenient, it's on my, you know, and uh, so just things like that were so that's yeah. kind of a way where I think that they're, they're getting more, and, there's more and more layers of separation yeah. between that reality. So remember that,
0: yeah, how to communicate with teenagers, uh, emailing again. It. it's like, oh, yeah. it's called the cultural translator. And one of the things that they introduced me to you was the term Bobot. you guys ever heard the term Bobot? you know what a Bobot is? It's basically an app. Like there's one called Perfect Girlfriend or Perfect Boyfriend where you basically have an algorithm generates these, how are you doing today? I've been thinking a lot about you today. And so you have this texting back and forth relationship <laughs> With your perfect boyfriend or perfect girlfriend, and it's called a bobot. And people subscribe to this, so they feel like they have someone special. And basically, these algorithms are designed to be the perfect boyfriend for you, or perfect Mm -hmm. girlfriend for you. It's a thing. So, yeah, it's called Cultural Translator. You can ask me about it, but that's something that's going on. So, when you talk about how you know, with those lines of reality it's like, and people are being so fake and everything that's just kind of the next step that people take right so actually going out on dates and stuff like that is was countercultural. yeah I think another thing um, another one is like we're all broken people we're all going to mess up um, being porn free is impossible mm-hmm. I've talked to a number of Christians who just don't think it's possible and uh, I've kind of learned that to kind of build a culture where that is, you have to have enough men. It was like, yeah, it's a zero-tolerance policy. It's not going to happen. Um,
2: yeah, that's an that, interesting that's an expectation. Uh, like, uh, I heard a researcher talk about how to study the effects of porn has become super difficult because they can't find a control population. Yeah. They can't find a group of men that don't view porn to compare. Yeah. To. In, in yeah. academic.
0: Basically, Protestant men, evangelical Protestant men, are the only um, category of men that significantly has a lower porn usage than everybody else. So, uh, is and they group Mormons in that too, like Protestant men, but. Um, Yeah, so I think that's I think that's one of the things we're all just broken people. It's all about grace. It's just something we all live with, and so you try to like attach it. Any other subtle lies that might infiltrate the church?
1: Kind of along with what yours just obviously like. I'm not I'm not that bad. Like we hear that a lot. Like now that. Yeah. That is their, like, oh, we
0: don't go to church every Sunday, but, you know. Yeah. Look, this is just something that we do. And and there have been, like, some people where they just don't think premarital sex is wrong. You know, they have the family, you know, they have a kid together, living together. It just never occurs to them that we should get married. Any other uh, cultural pressures?
3: So there's a lot of people who think that they need to
0: try out
3: marriage minus the actual marriage covenant, um, yeah. before, like that it's wise to do that before getting married.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I think, you know, there's maybe some of the view, views on marriage, like one is marriage is like this capstone, like you have to be firmly established first and then get married so that you stay married. And if that means that you sleep around a little bit until you get to that point, well, that's better than getting a divorce later. I think the other one might be, uh, um, and this might be a little bit controversial, but I think sometimes if you kind of hold sex up as like this ultimate thing in marriage, then people will want to get married potentially sooner than they should. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So we're gonna get married at eighteen, you know, we can do it because I mean it's like to experience this we need to get married and they can make you know some choices that aren't necessarily the best long term because sex has seemed as so wonderful and so ultimate and once you get married, right, the great payoff that you're gonna have is sex. And then they get married and you have UTIs, you have pregnancy, you have, you know what I'm saying, and all these other things where, you know, that's just not what it's going to be. Like, I had a, a friend of mine, um, you know, he got married, and he was a mature Christian, but he got married, and a month after he got married, his wife had an autoimmune episode. That left her paralyzed from the waist down for the rest of her life, right? So sex is very different for him. Now, she did have two kids. And everything, you know, by God's grace. But, yeah, That's why if you have like, you have this promise, and I think some of the purity culture is like, if you want to have great sex mm-hmm. in marriage, right? The way to do that is to be pure before marriage, and that way you, know, you won't have the baggage be, yeah. and all this other stuff. And, and so there's this promise of the best sex is in marriage and people can't wait to get it, and they might um, get married without thinking that sex will fix everything, as opposed to understanding that it's really the character taking. take into marriage. So all all that to say, I mean, whether we want to admit it or not, I mean, the cultural view of sex, unless you're really intentional about having a biblical view of sex, will seep into the bedroom and into the church. Other thoughts before we go on? Okay. So, I mean, basically, um, that's kind of what the study is devoted to initially, is what is the purpose of sex within marriage? So we're kind of go through some of these uh, passages, starting with Genesis 2.24. Somebody want to read that? Genesis 2.24. Ryan, you want to get that for me?
4: Therefore a man shall leave his father mm-hmm. and his mother and hold fast to his wife. They shall become one flesh.
0: Okay. So what is the progression of marriage-related events in this verse? Okay. First of all, there is a... leaving as a father and mother, right, then a? Joining with his wife. Yeah, holding fast, right, and then? One
3: flesh.
0: One flesh, right. So even within this, um, you know, marriage, you know, is the formation of a new family. It involves leaving and cleaving, forming a new family, you know, that's recognized by the community, and then after that, right, there's the one flesh.
2: It also makes it really clear that there's a man and a woman.
0: Boom. Yeah, that is true. I mean
2: there's, you can't really read into it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's not a man who identifies as a woman. It's an actual man and an actual woman. Okay? So how does the following passage inform our understanding of one flesh? Someone want to read uh First Corinthians six sixteen.
4: Not know that he who is joined with a prostitute becomes one body with her,
2: for as it is written, the two will become one flesh. Yeah, this is pretty
0: interesting, right? So, this one flesh relationship uh, can happen outside of a marriage. Okay, but how does a one flesh relationship transform a couple? How does it change a couple?
2: So it's unified.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah I've, I've shared this uh, before that it's just such a great story I think it really captures this uh, when I was in Hungary I was meeting with a guy named Gergen I called him Ray and he just had his heart broken with his first girlfriend who broke up with him, right? And this is a, he lost his virginity to this girl. And when she walked away, he was just devastated. And he kind of explained to me that, you know, when they were intimate together, it's like there was a bridge that formed between them. You know, Hungary has lots of great rivers. You ever go to Budapest, some of the most beautiful bridges in the world are in that city. And so they love their bridges, right? So there's this bridge that was formed between the two of them, and then he said, when she broke up with me, it's like this bridge was ripped in two. And now I'm walking around with half a bridge sticking out of me, and there's no no one to match it with anymore. Yeah, and I think that's what intimacy does, is it kind of creates your own world, you know, your own place. It's the one thing that you guys do together. It's what brings you together, reminds you that you have a special... This is an activity that you only do with this other person and no one else, and so um, yeah, that's that's why it's transformational. There's an openness. That's why when you see couples who come back from their honeymoon, they're a lot more handsy with each other. You know what I'm saying? There's a certain sorry, I don't mean to look at you guys. You know what I'm saying? There's just a certain there's a certain freedom that they have that they didn't have before, right? I know when I was dating, when I was engaged to Becky, you know, I was. A hunk of burning love and I was like you need to get away from you know it was like you know stay 10 feet away from me the you werewolf.
2: know huh the werewolf you know. werewolf yeah
0: you know <laughs> and Becky noticed how much more relaxed I was after our honeymoon you know <laughs> she's like what's going on it's like you don't understand I her. You know, so <laughs> don't laugh too much <laughs>
2: I think there's something to like you. <laughs> yeah. the the one flesh joining it just um, yeah that like when you think about like other contexts where they talk about like the mating of two surfaces together like this joining yeah it's meant to be not separated like a lot of times when you build something you want you in you're putting two pieces together you want them to mate such a way that it's yeah. Very solid, very sturdy, and to, to separate them would cause great damage. It would be yeah. very, very difficult to do that. It's like
0: paint, painting a pot and then glazing it in furnace. Yeah. Or getting a tattoo, right? That tattoo was, yeah. you know, to separate yourself from your tattoo would be a very painful process. Yeah. Stripping yeah. the paint away from a glazed pot. It's,
2: it's meant to be. It's meant to be. Not together. undone, right? Yeah, just joined together. But yeah, without
0: a lot of pain and and, and suffering. Right? So that kinda
2: helps I think that one flesh helps people to understand why it's so painful. Yeah. To be, you know, sexually mm-hmm. one and then separate Yeah. like the story. And that's
0: character. not to shame somebody who hasn't been that. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't want to shame someone, but they should know. This is the consequence. And sometimes, you know, if you're married and your husband that runs out on you, you know what I'm saying, there's many levels of pain there, but that would be part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's that's the power of the sexual bond, and because it is so powerful and so transcendent, I think that's part of the reason why our culture just idolizes it, right? If you were to look at, you know, the sexual revolution is all about sex as the highest expression of who you are, and it defines you, and I mean, because it has this transcendent impact on people and as far as just joining people together, right?
3: Which is interesting, because in the same hand, I feel like our culture is also views it as a very casual activity, mm-hmm. at least with yeah. kids like my generation. Yeah. It's like not a big deal. And then they wonder why they feel devastated mm-hmm. after a hookup or when I stand, right? That's
1: what all those dating apps are, are essentially hookup yeah. apps. Like, yeah. that's what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. And then they have this emptiness afterwards and they can't quite put their finger on it, but it's because they don't like equate the value of sex
3: mm-hmm.
1: with the act. It's more of a casual, yeah. no big deal. Everybody has a body count type of thing. Yeah. And
3: yeah. Culture says too that you shouldn't feel devastated like after a divorce or after a one night stand or whatever. Like that there's something wrong with you, yourself, if you can't move on from that quickly. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, the, it's not just misunderstanding the act of sex, but just the way God created you individually as men and women. I really yeah. think that that ties
4: back into letter D under the introduction that mm-hmm. cultural, especially if you were to consider just just the TV we watch, mm-hmm. including yeah. that just. We can call that a form of art, it's an expression, and art was initially uh, meant to imitate what people perceive as real life, and that therein lies the problem if you're telling people through your imitation in art that this Mm -hmm. is okay, that there are these cultures, that this is acceptable, that these are the yeah. way the world works, yeah. then what do you expect is going to form and control the minds of the people yeah. who are growing up through it in this digital age. Yeah. That's the real problem.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, sex is a transcendent experience that anybody can experience. Yeah. Because it can make two people one. Now, as Christians, right, We can experience other transcendent experiences. Like conversion changes, transforms who you are. It regenerates your heart. You become a temple of the Holy Spirit where that will never change. You know, that is a transformational experience. You become part of the body of Christ. And you become spiritually connected to other Christians because of that, right? That's a transformational experience, right? So we have all these other transformational experiences that we can, that are transcendent right, lasting, permanent that are good sex is another one of those right, in the right context but when you strip away all that belief in God and an understanding of that, that's not something that they've ever experienced, the only thing that they have left would be sex and that's why it is celebrated as kind of a center of transcendence, right consequence free sex, you know, with the abortion rights, I mean that's one of the reasons behind it. Does that make sense? So often in a pagan culture, sex and, and pagan religions will elevate sex to a to an unheard of level because they don't have that transcendence that we would have. So that's why you can be a fully functional, normal, fulfilled Christian because you have all these other transcendent bonds with other people, right? Yeah, through the church and through the Lord. But as a non-Christian, that sense of transcendence is often found in sex. That's just my working theory about I think it kind of shows like sex cults have always been part of um, paganism. They degenerate to that. Christianity basically lifted that away. That's why you know as there's more atheism, more agnosticism, yeah, you know, the sex becomes what's left. So how does God esteem Oh, here's a little note here. While one flesh certainly refers to physical intimacy, it may mean more than this. Some scholars contend that one flesh signifies a sign of the covenant of marriage. Just like a rainbow of the sky symbolizes God's covenant with Noah, so the sexual act is a symbol of a married couple's covenant commitment to one another. Right. So that explains why makeup sex is so meaningful. Right. It's like, hey, we are back together. Um, it's also why uh, if I ever counsel somebody uh, in the midst of adultery, uh, what I'll tell them is, I'll tell the victim, whoever it is, don't reconsummate it until you're ready to forgive, because once you do that, you know, you're know you recommitting yourself to the marriage after the fact. Does that make sense? Because there is something about that, that's something that just brings a couple together again. Um, so how does God esteem physical intimacy according to Hebrews 13 4. Somebody want to read that for me? Let marriage be held
3: in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled,
4: for God will judge sexually immoral and adulterous.
0: Okay. So, how does God esteem physical intimacy according to that passage? How about sexual intimacy? How's that view? What's the word he uses? Honor. Honor, right? It's glorious. It is right. It is a good thing. Now, why is uh, sex outside of marriage so offensive to God? Someone want to get. Um, Proverbs two seventeen. Yeah, that Miranda?
3: Who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God? Yeah. They're talking
0: about an adulterous woman, right? Where she forgets the covenant and the covenant of marriage. Right? So adultery is a covenant-breaking activity. So, why is sex outside of marriage so egregious? Why is that
2: so wrong? Yeah, I mean, the, the principle that the, the more valuable something is, um, the greater offense or wrong it is when it is defiled, in a sense. It's kind of like what you're talking about, It sometimes, in, when there's a conversation and it's like, sex is not a big deal, is the viewpoint, you know, you ask, what about rape and sexual abuse, and like for people, they there's still vestiges of, that's really a big deal, because it's, you know, violating something that's sacred, and I think when we hold sex and the sexual, intimacy, something that's so, so sacred, it makes sense to us, and, and to say that anything that violates that, and that's why all these different variations of pornography or adultery or Mm. homosexuality or whatever it is, it's violating. And so it's kind of good to compliment that what we're against with, it's because sex within marriage is such a beautiful, wonderful thing. It's by honor.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and adultery has always been considered raw. One thing that Jesus does is he kind of expands the level of adultery. It used to be only... um, It had to be a married woman for it to be adultery. Uh, Jesus expands it to anybody who's married can commit adultery, whether a married man or a married woman. But yeah, it's a a severing of that special relationship between husband and wife. Okay, any thoughts? I'm going to save this... uh, Scenario here because it's, it'll be a good discussion starter yeah. for next week, right? so, kind of review. So let me go ahead and pray, and then we'll move on to our next part of worship service. Well, Father, we are just grateful for, um, you know, just your plan, and your wisdom for sex, and we know that this world gets it wrong in so many levels. And help us to um, be countercultural and to celebrate the goodness of sex and what a what a gift it is. And I pray that. Um, the Christian values and commands that you call us to will impact every area of our life, including this one. Pray for the next section of our worship service. that will be a blessing to all who participate. In Christ's name, amen.